How did you enjoy the Jubilee weekend? Did you get together with family or friends? Uh, did you go up to London? I mean, it's great, isn't it? London knows how to put on a good show. And, you know, I watched some of the things on TV. And you know what I found when I looked at the papers and the comments online was what people really enjoyed was Prince Louis pulling loads of funny faces, getting a bit annoyed, giving a bit of cheek to his mum. It's like there's something within us when we look at these big occasions and everybody's dressed up. We want to see some normality. We, we engage with a normal four-year-old kind of playing up in a boring setting. And there's something within us that knows that these people, the royals, those that are privileged, yeah, there's a big distance between us and them and our ordinary lives. And so we look for that moment where it's, it's kind of normal that we can relate to. And, you know, sometimes we can be a bit like that with Jesus. You know, we think of who he is, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. He walked on water. He raised the dead. Yeah, he judges the world. And he can feel a bit distant. He can, it can feel like there are, there's like 2,000 years of gap between us and him. And, you know, in this series, we're trying to get close to Jesus. We're trying to see again, what's he like? What comes out of his heart? What does he say? What does he do? And how does that relate to us? You know, if Jesus had a website, then on the, the drop down about me, you know, that tells the bit of a bio and the person's kind of key vision, the words there would be gentle and lowly in heart. And that's what I'm going to speak about today. That's actually the title of the book that we're using as background information to this series. That Jesus is gentle and lowly. So we're going to look at Matthew chapter 11, where Jesus describes himself and describes his relationship with his father and describes his own heart. So Matthew 11, uh, verse 27, Jesus says this, All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So there we have that unique relationship that Jesus has with his father as son of God. And then he says these wonderful words. You've heard them before, but try and hear them again, like for the very first time. Jesus says this, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is gentle and lowly in heart. 
I mean, we see that time and time again in the Gospels. I mean, one story that comes to mind for me is the story of Zacchaeus. Do you remember Zacchaeus? He was a tax collector. So in those days, he would have been despised because he, to do that, he had to collaborate with the Romans. He probably defrauded people and charged too much tax. He would have been wealthy, but isolated and despised. And when Jesus comes to town, he wants to see Jesus, but he doesn't want to be seen by others. So he climbs in a tree and yet Jesus does see him and Jesus goes up to him. And Jesus doesn't start by saying, you know, who are you, a tax collector? You're ripping people off. You know, this isn't right. This isn't just. No, he says, I'd like to come to your house. I'd like to spend time with you. Can we eat together? I would love to have been a fly on the wall and heard what happened in that conversation when Jesus went to Zacchaeus's house. But I think Jesus went with a gentle and lowly attitude. He went and before he knew it, Zacchaeus was drawn to Jesus and his whole life is changed. Something of the grace of Jesus captured his heart. And he comes out saying he's going to give away lots of his money. He's going to make right some of the things that he's done wrong. He is a changed man as Jesus meets with him. Jesus didn't wag the finger at him or condemn him. He, he drew him in with his welcome. And there are so many moments like that where Jesus goes towards people that other people didn't want to have anything to do with. He reaches out to those who are lepers or who are isolated, you know, who are sinners, who are prostitutes. He uh, ha welcomes children. He was completely approachable. He moved towards those who were fallen, who were sinful, who were suffering. Yes, he was holy and righteous. And yet when he touched people, they didn't feel condemned. They felt welcomed into his presence. And that's, the, that's what it's about, him being gentle and lowly in heart, gentle and humble, other versions say. Now, when the Bible talks about heart, it's not talking about feelings. So this isn't saying, oh, Jesus felt gentle and lowly. You know, when he felt like that, then he acted like that. No, in the Bible, your heart is like the core of your being. It encompasses feeling, but also mind and thought and spirit and will. So when he's saying, I'm gentle and lonely in heart, he's saying that's the substance of who I am. You know, sometimes we get disappointed with people, you know, uh, perhaps you follow a, a celebrity or a footballer and then a video comes out and shows them being rude or uh, putting someone else down and you, you're disappointed because you hoped that their kind of public persona would be the same as their private persona. And here Jesus is saying, who I am through and through is someone who is gentle and, and you know, humble and lowly. Proverbs 4 verse 23 says, above all else, guard your heart 
for everything you do flows from it. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Everything I do, everything I say flows from this gentleness, this humility that is central to who I am. And we see that, you know, I mean, the the classic is on the night that Jesus knew he would be betrayed and arrested, he, he gets down and he washes the disciples' feet. He literally acts like a servant, humble and willing to get his hands dirty. Or when he comes into Jerusalem on the Palm Sunday and he could have come in victorious on a horse because at that moment the cl- crowd were with him. But we read in Matthew 21, it says, See, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey. This is the fulfillment of prophecy that the Messiah will be a suffering servant, will be someone you didn't guess was gonna be the leader. And his motivation comes out of this. John 3.16 says, you know, it's such a famous verse, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him, should not perish, but have eternal life. For God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. He came not as a judge, he came lowly and gentle. He wasn't proud, he was humble. He said that leadership is about like becoming like a child. It's about serving, it's about being last rather than pushing yourself forward to be first. And he lived that out. When Mary found out she was gonna carry Jesus as a child, she spoke about God reversing the fortunes of people and the humble being lifted up and the proud being brought low. And Jesus lived like that, he lived a humble life. Paul picks this up. I'm sure he's thinking of Jesus when he says in Romans 12, verse 16, live in harmony with each other. Don't be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Don't be conceited. And that's just what Jesus did. He was willing to associate with people of low position. I mean, he himself chose in eternity, to be born to an ordinary family in an an ordinary little town. For 30 years, he did nothing remarkable. He was kind of just an ordinary guy. No one noticed him. No one told stories about him. He was ready to just wait to be called into that ministry. He was a servant. I mean, Philippians 2 sums this up so beautifully. Says this, talking about Jesus. Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. 
Jesus left behind his glory. He chose to live a humble life. He became obedient to his father. He said yes, even to death. He did this for us. He did this for you and me. Now, he did live a remarkable life when he, for the three years he was in ministry, preaching and healing. He did some amazing miracles. But often he would say to people, you know, don't tell anybody. He, he didn't want that attention. And when in one passage people tried to make him king, he just slipped away because he knew his time hadn't come. He was some, someone who humbled himself. That's quite hard for us to actually kind of take on board because in our society, we're kind of taught to have confidence in ourselves and raise our self-esteem, believe in ourselves and push ourselves forward. I mean, can you imagine a job advert for someone who's gonna lead an organization or a movement or a business and the, you know, the advert saying, oh, you know, the qualities we're looking for are someone who's gentle and lowly in heart. I mean, it just wouldn't happen, would it? I mean, that's something you kind of think, oh, that's, yeah, I want my granny to be like that, but I don't want a leader to be like that. But Jesus was no wimp. He was no walkover. In fact, if you look in Matthew 11, if you go earlier in the chapter to verse 20, you find Jesus taking quite a strong stand and denouncing some of the villages that he'd been preaching in, where he'd done miracles and no one had responded. No one had believed in him. And he's like, they will be judged. So there wasn't compromise and weakness in being gentle and humble. Somehow Jesus was able to put together grace, welcome, acceptance with truth and righteousness and justice. I mean, listen to what John says in the first chapter of John where he introduces us to Jesus and he says this, the word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. We have seen his glory the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And we see that in Jesus' life. There were times when he was confronted by the Pharisees and he knew they were being hypocritical. And he calls it out. He, he calls them a brood of vipers at one point. I mean, he can speak strong words. When he went into the temple courts and he, he saw that instead of it being a place of prayer, people were wheeling and dealing and ripping people off. And he turned over the tables. He cracked a whip. Uh, the righteous anger and justice welled up within him. That was still a reflection of the grace and truth of God. He lo didn't lose his temper. He did that because he wanted to see people not condemned, not excluded, but to find grace and salvation. 
that's hard for us to find that balance, isn't it, between grace and truth. I mean, our whole society tells us, you know, oh yeah, grace is good, um, but truth, mm, that's not so easy. And, and we lean into grace, and rightly so. We welcome people, we accept people, we, we listen to people and see them as individuals and express the love of God to people. But we also need to hold on to truth. There are moments we're called to stand, to speak up, to be different. It's hard though, isn't it? You know, maybe you're, you're catching up with a Christian friend and they start talking about things and maybe they're gossiping about somebody they know. Or they tell you things that show they're really kind of cheating their employer at work. Maybe they've decided to move in with their boyfriend. And inside there's that conflict. Should I say something? Should I challenge them? Or should I just, you know, try and express love and grace to them? Friends, we have to bring truth to people. Jesus did that because he loves us. He accepts us. But he longs that we become holy like he is holy, that we grow as believers and that our lives change and develop and we become like him, little by little. Jesus certainly knew how to do that, to challenge people. He might say to one, go and sell all that you have. To another, sin no more. But he didn't, he never did it with a motive to kind of pull someone down a peg or two or condemn them or reject them. No, it came out of that motive of grace, of humility. He was never saying he was better than them, though he was the son of God. He was holy and sinless and pure, but they never felt like he was putting a barrier between him and them. We need to try and find that balance, that, that grace, that first foot of grace towards people, but then still truth that helps people grow and become holy. So what does Jesus say to us today through this passage? Well, I think he says again to us, come to me, take my yoke, learn from me. You know, I don't know if you ever watch those programs where people get their house or their garden made over. It starts with the problem, you know, the garden's completely overgrown or the house doesn't work for them anymore or something's really broken. And the person goes away for a couple of days, a group of experts come in, they completely transform everything, throw out the old, bring in the new. And when the owner comes back, everything is perfect and beautiful. And sometimes that's what we want in our faith, don't we? We want Jesus to just come in and clean everything up and change us in an instant. But the reality is, it's more like a process where Jesus comes alongside us and works with us and his Holy Spirit works in our life and changes us bit by bit. And he does it through this process of coming to him, taking his yoke upon us, and learning from him. 
I mean, come to him. What a beautiful invitation that we can just come to Jesus today. It expresses trust in him when we come to him. Maybe you've been to Alpha, maybe you've argued out all your questions, maybe you've tried to get to the bottom of all your doubts and looked at the meaning of life, but there still comes a point where you have to take that step of trust in Jesus and say, I don't know everything, I don't know what this is really going to mean, but I trust you, you love me, you are humble and gentle and lowly and so I put my trust in you. Maybe you can remember the day you first did that but as believers we have to continually come to him because we mess up don't we? We let him down, we wander and so we have to be willing to come to him again and put our trust in him and then he says take my yoke upon you that's quite a strange image for us. I mean, obviously it is like an agricultural image. This is about, you know, this bit of wood that joined two oxen together so that they could plough and it would have been heavy and burdensome and chunky, but it was productive and it, it an enabled the animals to move forward. What does that mean for us? I kind of feel that Jesus is saying to us, you, ha you come to me, come as you are, but also realize that you come to me on, on the terms that I'm gonna change you. I'm gonna channel your life. I'm gonna work with you. I, I kind of feel like the, the yoke is a big yes. It's saying yes to Jesus. Wherever you direct me, wherever you guide me, I'm going to say, yes, you're going to be the Lord, the boss, the person in charge in this, in this of my life. You know, in the book Gentle and Lowly, the writer talks about this and he says it's a bit like if someone was drowning and that, you know, they're in the water and there's a help, help and someone throws them in one of these life boys, you know, these big red rings, uh, they're quite bulky. And if the person said, oh, oh no, I, I can't take that. It's too big, it's too awkward. I can't grip hold of it. It's too heavy. Without realizing that if they just grab the life boy, they're gonna be lifted up. They're gonna find themselves floating. They're gonna be safe. And the yoke that Jesus puts on our shoulder is a bit like that. It looks like it could be heavy. It could be restrictive. It could be things that Jesus is going to say, I don't want you to do that anymore. But actually, as we embrace it, we're going to find that his yoke is easy. And it's going to be light. It's not going to be a burden. It's going to actually bring freedom to move forward and find life and fruitfulness in Jesus. And then he says, learn from me. That's the heart of the Christian life. We're called to learn from Jesus, to read his word, to talk to him, to worship him, to listen to him, to look at his example and follow him. That's what it means to be a disciple. We're called to stop listening to our own life, our own words, the words of our society, and to learn 
from him. And when we do that, when we come to him, when we take his yoke, when we learn from him, we will find rest for our souls. Oh, wow, don't we long for that? Rest from the anxiety. Rest from the cycle of sin and disappointment. Rest when we're feeling a grudge and we feel unforgiving, we feel resentful. Finding rest and peace deep in our souls. That's what we long for, isn't it? And that's what he offers to us. And the, all that we bring is our weariness and our burdens. Dane Ortberg says, you don't need to unburden yourself and then come to Jesus. Your very burden is what qualifies you to come. No payment is required. He says, I will give you rest. Sometimes we think we have to sort out our own life, don't we, before we come to Jesus. We need to clean up our act. You know, I can't come to church today because I've messed up this week. I don't feel like praying because I know those thoughts keep going round in my head. And Jesus says, no, just come as you are. You know, people who were invited to St Paul's or to the pageant last weekend, they had invitations. I don't know what it said, what the dress code was, but they all turned out in their finery, didn't they? In their heels and their hats and in their best suits. But we don't need to do that with Jesus. We don't need to put on the best. We don't need to put on a good front. We can come just as we are. And when we come as we are, he accepts us because he is gentle and lowly of heart. He will lift the burdens from our shoulders. He will break the power of sin that tangles up our hearts. He will give us rest in our souls. So today, let's come to him. Let me just pray. Lord Jesus, we come to you. We're so grateful that you are not distant. You are King of kings and Lord of lords, but you humble yourself and you make yourself approachable and you say, come to me, take my yoke. Learn from me and find rest for your souls. I pray for everyone today. That is what we will find as we come to Jesus. Amen.